Good morning, Northbrook Church. Uh, if you would please turn to Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 15 with me. Uh, if you don't have a physical copy of God's Word, uh, we have a few Bibles in the back, um, and that is our gift to you. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Pray then like this Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others' trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. This is the word of the Lord. Well, hey, good morning, church. It's good to be with you all this morning. My name is Randy. I'm one of the pastors here. If I haven't had an opportunity to meet you, I look forward to doing that. Um, yeah, it's hard uh, in in these uh, in in these seasons to to come and and sometimes hard to come and preach good news, uh, honestly, because it seems like the world is so dark and so uh, decaying that. Uh, yeah, the, the darkness seems overwhelming at times, uh, but that's when the light shines brightest. Uh, and so we go to uh, the light and we go to the Word of God because we know that, that, that life is found in here. Um, and so we know the answer to what has gone wrong in the world is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, and so we get to, uh, to boldly and excitedly come and, and see what the Lord may have for us today. And so I'm excited to... Uh, be here and to be able to open the word uh, with us. Uh, we, we've got our kids in here. This is our fifth Sunday, and so that's family worship weekend. And so if you're a kid, hey, if you're a kid in here, let me hear you. Yeah, we, maybe I need to define kid a little more for the... <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, um, yeah, I've got a story for you kids later that um, hopefully, you'll, hopefully it won't ruin anything for you. But um, yeah, we'll get going. But... Uh, yeah, just another aside, as we have kids in here, it just makes me think, even as, as Jake was leading us in prayer uh, earlier, um, man, what, what better place uh, for our kids to be uh, right now than, than in church, uh, than hearing the word of God proclaimed and believed and sung, and, uh, and, and that's our prayer, that it, that it even now molds and shapes our, uh, the minds and hearts of our, our kids, and so I'm just grateful for that. So, uh, we are continuing in our uh, series on the Sermon on the Mount, uh, and particularly the, the Lord's Prayer. So last week, Jake um, did uh, the, the first part of it, uh, Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so th those are three kind of petitions that, that J uh, Jake pointed out and put out, uh, but, but they're kind of God-centered petitions. We're starting with the holiness of God. He was in the beginning, no one else. And so we're acknowledging him. And then now we're going to move into... Into, uh, into more of kind of us-centered petitions the next few weeks. Um, and so this first one is a petition for our physical needs. Uh, and then we'll see on and on in the next couple weeks that the next petitions are for kind of our spiritual and our soul level needs. Uh, and, and we'll get into that again uh, in the next couple of weeks. But today, 
uh, is give us this day our daily bread. And, and we've got to really kind of uh, uh, avoid kind of jumping too quickly to the spiritual here, right? Uh, we'll get there. There's, there's, there's much uh, implications. There's much to be said and much to be had for us in our souls and our spirits to be encouraged by our daily bread. Uh, but, but we've got to understand what Jesus is saying here in this context, where he's saying it, who he's saying it to. Uh, and, and then we'll see Uh, My hope is that we'll see today, as we look at the scriptures, my hope is that we'll see God's physical provision, uh, provision, that it teaches us about his spiritual provision for us. And and hopefully we'll see that. Uh, And so he, again, we just see that he starts the prayer with exalting God, uh, with, with exalting the holiness of the glory of the Father, and then he submits to the Father's will over anything else that he's about to ask and pray and he's laying the groundwork and kind of setting the foundation really for the disposition of our hearts when we pray and there was something interesting i was studying this week there's a there was a a pastor in the uh i don't even know when he lived not too long ago early 1900s he was in england martin lloyd jones i asked you before i even said his name just to see if you knew (laughs) i was like uh but he was a, a a pastor in england and I was reading some of his commentary on this, and man, he just pointed out a really, a really in particular thing that, that just struck me. Uh, and, and he points out here that Jesus, in, in this petition, before he asks for anything else of us centered, he asks for physical provision. Like he asks for, he starts with the physical needs. And, and you would think that he would start with kind of a plea for our spiritual needs, right? Like our souls, our, our spirits. He, you would ask for that. And then maybe later some sort of remembrance of our bodily needs. But Jesus does the opposite. And Lloyd-Jones, uh, he, he's right here. And he says that Jesus is right because we are alive and we must be kept alive. And he says that because our existence has to be sustained in order for God to accomplish all that he wants to accomplish in us and through us, right? And so we can't, we can't rush past the fact that, that God cares about our bodies. We can't rush past the fact that he cares about that. And, and I know sometimes here in the West, we can be so siloed in our views, right? Like it, it can be, uh, we, we can think that what we put into our bodies and how we treat our bodies doesn't affect our souls and our spirits. But, uh, but, but the truth is, we are all, it's all kind of mixed together and that does uh, affect it. And where things can get really off really quickly is if we think that they're separate and that God doesn't care all about our bodily physical needs right if we could just kind of just exalt the spiritual needs and think that's it that's all he has for us if we follow that logic then we see okay God only cares about my spiritual needs meaning he doesn't care about my bodily needs my physical needs so if he only cares about this then I fail to see his provision for my physical needs and then I forget about him but we don't have to take Martin Lloyd-Jones' word for it. Let's, let's take the Bible's words for it. And so we're going to join in. If you have your Bibles uh, or your phones, whatever, you're going to look at the Scripture. Why don't you jump over to Exodus 16. And while you're getting there, uh, there, there was a, a couple years ago an Acts 29 conference, a pastor's conference, where a pastor named uh, Tori Mayo, he's a pastor down at the Well Church in Austin. I mean, he preached probably the best sermon I've ever heard on Exodus 16. Uh, and if you have 30 minutes to be encouraged this week, I highly, highly encourage you to go and watch that. Um, he's going to say a lot of what we're going to see in the text today and want to say, and he says it in a much better way. Um, but here we are. You're 
stuck with me. So Exodus 16, just a, kind of a quick background on where we're finding ourselves here in the narrative. So God's just freed the Israelites from captivity in Egypt, right? And he's, they're now roaming around the desert. And so it's hot. There's sand everywhere and getting into everything. They're starting to get hungry and they're grumbling and they start to turn on Moses and Aaron, right? They're starting to kind of turn on them and, and tell them, hey, we'd rather go back to Egypt because there, I mean, yeah, we were in slavery, but there at least we had food, right? At least there were meat pots at night where we could get there. And, and so there's this little view of their provision that that's what they're remembering. And they're going, hey, let's go back there. Let's go. Let's go there. At least we had food because in their minds, again, Egypt provided for them. But God led them out into the desert. And so they were so quick to want to go back to Egypt's kind of quote-unquote provision that they were hot as soon as things got hot and, and gritty and they got tired in the wilderness. And, and think about us. I mean, it, it, this world is a wilderness, is it not? It's a desert. I mean, just what we talked about earlier and what Jake prayed for earlier is just a reminder. This is the wilderness and do we not grumble and complain and try to find our provision in the scarcity of the world when times get tough instead of the abundant provision of God? I mean, don't we? Don't we get lulled into this self-dependence and self-reliance, especially with our daily bread, because there's a grocery store on every corner. And for everything else, there's Amazon Prime. Right? You need something, you just go and get it. And then we get mad if we have to order something and there's not free next day shipping, don't we? No, no, yo, y'all are too holy. I, that happens to me. I get frustrated. I'm, this is confession time, I guess. But I just wonder, with all this provision, and we're so used to it, I just wonder how often we go through a day without really needing God, without really thinking and acknowledging and seeing his provision for us. And I'll tell you this, uh, this is a confession. I was convicted this week because I'm ashamed to tell you that I don't even remember the time, the last time that I asked God for my daily bread. It was just always there. And I just knew that it would be there and figured it was there. And if it wasn't, I'd run to Aldi or Kroger, Target, Walmart. They're all within about four minutes. Just go there, or go order something on Amazon and forget about it until it arrived. And how quickly we, like the Israelites, forget the mercies of our God, don't we? So that's where the Israelites are. And God, in his beautiful uh, knowing of his people, he knows that they're forgetful. And so we're going to see something here. So this is Exodus 16. We'll start in verse 9. Then Moses said to Aaron, Say to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. And as soon as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the people of Israel. Say to them, at twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread. And then I want you to catch this. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. Wait, what? Then they'll know? After that, then they'll know? I mean, in the past, like, three weeks, 
God sent 10 plagues onto Egypt, the last of it being the, the angel of death passing over the, the doorposts and the, the, the families and the homes of where there was lamb's blood on the door. And every other family in Egypt, the firstborn son was killed on that. That happened. And then God brought them out of Egypt. They walked through the Red Sea on dry ground, not even slushy mud, dry ground. And then they get to this pool, and it's all, they're trying to drink this water, and it's bitter. And God's like, throw that tree in there. So they throw the tree in there, and it makes the water sweet all in the past three weeks. But then they'll know. Now, I'll, I'll give them bread and meat. They'll meet their basic physical needs, and then they will know. And so God, in his abundant mercy, gives them the physical provision. Listen. And it's in order to remind them of his spiritual provision. And so he provides them with meat and uh, that, that quail fly into the camp every night and provides them with meat. And then in the mornings when the dew would dry up, there was this fine flake-like thing on the ground as, as thin as fine as frost. And they didn't know what it was. And so they said, what is it? Which in Hebrew sounds like manna. That's what they call it. And he gives them instructions. Moses tells them, hey, this is the bread that God provided you, that he told you he was going to provide you with, and that he's providing you with. And he instructs them uh, how God instructs him to instruct them. There's a lot of instructing. So the, he tells them, hey, every morning, go and gather as much or as little bread as you need. Whatever you're going to eat that day, whatever you're going to need to be filled, go and gather that. But don't let any of it sit over. Don't, don't gather and hoard more than you need. Some of them didn't listen. Some of them gathered too much and tried to have these storehouses. And the Bible says that it bred, the next day it bred worms and stank. It's disobedience and it's motivated by a mistrust and a disbelief in God's abundant provision. But... As we keep reading, we see his faithful provision. This story tells us that morning by morning, there was bread for them. And God provided, and they ate manna for 40 years. Think of that miraculous reminder. Every morning, there was miraculous daily bread. And it reminds them of their loving and gracious Father. So again, it said that God gave his people the daily bread that they needed so that they might know that he is the Lord, their God. And, and in so doing, when, when he has that disposition, when you're reminded of God's provision and your, your physical needs are met, then you see and then you're enabled to pray the first part of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, then there, there's so much wrapped up in give us this day our daily bread. There's so much tied up in this petition. Because it's, it, it, it's God, so that we may not forget you. Give us this day our daily bread. So that we won't run to these illicit provisions. These false gods. Slavery, he gives us daily bread. Okay, so that's, 
that's a, a little bit of the background. So with that understanding, now let's turn to John 6. Okay, and while you're turning there, okay, kids, where are you at? You still with me? Give me a woo-woo. That was really good. Okay, raise your hand if you like apples. Okay, a couple. Raise your hand if you like apple juice. Okay, this is going to be a good story. So when I was uh, in college, uh, I didn't have a whole lot of money, so I was real stingy with my groceries with my roommates. Like, I would keep track of things, you know, so I would know if they ate something while I was gone. Like, no, don't eat that cookie. I know I had 18 left, and now there's 17. Or, like, uh, I would keep track of how many Dr. Thunders that I had left. <laughs> some of y'all know about some Dr. Thunder. Yeah, yeah, which that, listen, if I'm drinking knockoff Dr. Pepper, that should tell, me, tell you a little bit about my financial state. At that time, so one time I went grocery shopping and I was going down the aisle and they were having this really big sale on apple juice, like this big bottle of apple juice. And I was like, dude, this is amazing because I can tell the difference between Dr. Thunder and Dr. Pepper, but I'm not gonna, apple juice is apple juice, right? I'm not gonna be able to tell the difference between store brand and off brand. So I get it and I'm so excited. I just grab it off the shelf. It was right there on the shelf. I guess it didn't need to be refrigerated. So I threw it in the cart, went home threw it in the cabinet, and then every day, I would, several times a day, I would walk by, open the cabinet, take a few swigs, and then put it back, right? Uh, well, one day, I was really thirsty, and I grabbed it, and I took a swig, and uh, have you ever had a, a strawberry limeade from Sonic? Yeah, yeah, and you know how they put, like, the chunks of strawberry in there? Yeah, yeah, I was like, man, that's crazy. I don't even, I don't remember seeing chunks of apple in this. I don't even remember, I don't even remember that that was a thing. Um, it turns out it was not a thing. Uh, because I was, and then I looked at the bottle, and man, there were huge chunks of mold on there, and I had this unbelievably new understanding of it bred worms and stank, because I didn't follow direction. I was all mad. I was like looking at the bottle to see, it's surely somewhere fine print, refrigerate after opening. It was so big. It was written so big on there. So, but like, I would not be surprised if some people thought it was refrigerated after opening brand of apple juice that it was putting out. It was so big. And I quickly learned, again, I quickly learned with manna and apparently with apple juice, you've got to follow the directions or else it's not going to provide for you, right? Okay. Anyway, sorry. That was just an aside. John 6, y'all hear yet? John 6. Great. Um, so you'll remember last week, we, we spent a little bit of time in John 6. I, I was fine, by the way. I, I didn't get sick or anything. It was great. Uh, so John 6, we spent a little bit of time in there last week as well, um, it's seeing what the will of God is. And, and this, uh, we're going to look a little bit at the same text, some of the same text, but, but, but we're going to look at it as kind of a different facet of the diamond of Scripture, right? Uh, if you will. And so this is Jesus. He's, he's talking to a crowd of uh, a large crowd of his disciples that would follow him around and listen to him teach. Uh, and, and, and he is instructing them and they're uh, interacting and asking questions and he's teaching. So this is John 6. Let's pick this up in verse 28. It says, then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Now listen, why are they saying that? Because they got it, right? Because it worked, 
They understood, hey, if God is who he says he is, uh, then he said he would give them manna, he would give them their bread as they roamed in the wilderness so that the physical provision would remind them and know that, they're, they're, that God is God, that he is the Lord their God. Now, they get it. And so they're not asking for a sign, like for a miracle, just for miracle's sake. We see that later in the Gospels, and Jesus condemns the Pharisees for asking for a a, a sign. But, But they're saying, hey, no, we understand. God then said, I give you this bread to show you that I'm the Lord your God. And so they're rightfully asking Jesus, hey, if our fathers ate manna in the wilderness and it's from God, what do you do if you're saying you're from God? You see that? We understand that connection. So they knew. So then... Jesus answers them and says this. Jesus then said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said to him, sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. And then let's jump down to verse 48. He says this again, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Listen, family, God provided daily bread for the Israelites in the wilderness to remind them that he alone is God, but here's the thing, they all ate that bread and they all eventually died. The the manna fulfilled its purpose, not in keeping them alive forever, but in keeping them alive to see the faithfulness of their God, that they may believe in him, that they may cling to him, and that he might revive their souls as he revived their flesh. And so Jesus here is engaging with them. They're asking for the the sign of his provision. He's engaging with them and he's going, hey, don't miss this. Don't miss it. It's not just about the bread. It's about provision. And the physical provision that your fathers received was foreshadowing a greater provision, a greater manna. Jesus invites them into the totality of all that he is and all that he is teaching. Because eating his flesh meant accepting all of him, all of who he is, and following all his ways. So, what does this mean for us? Well, I think there's a few things for us to consider. And and the first one is just simply this, just gratitude. Gratitude for our daily bread. Because I I would venture to guess 99.99% of us, if not the full hundred, I would venture to guess that none of us have ever unwillingly gone a day without eating. And I'm not talking about fasting, I'm not talking about willingly, I'm talking about unwillingly going 
without because there was none. And again, when that is the case, we can get lulled into thinking that daily bread is just there. It just happens. We're not seeing our need and we're not in need of seeing God's provision because we don't often have the need to see it. His provision, again, is just there. He's, he's blessed us immensely, immensely here where we are. But because of that, I fear we may have a harder time than even the Israelites remembering. Then a harder time than the Israelites did because they knew their need. And we're in real danger of relying on either ourselves or on the blessings that God has given instead of the one from whom all blessings flow. Because grocery stores aren't miraculous to us. Give us this day our daily bread has got to be a daily prayer for us. And not only that, but I think we also need to pray and, and ask for God to renew our minds and, and, and renew our, our thoughts on the view of our daily bread. That would, it would point us to the bread of life. Because think of this. What if we ate meals and, and what if we consumed food as an act of holy worship? That the, the provision that God gives us reminds us not only in body, but also in soul and spirit that he provides for us. And this is hard for me. Maybe you're like me and, uh, and, and you have a complicated relationship with food. Because for me, I, I think in times when I'm struggling with anxiety or I'm worried or nervous about something or really, honestly, really just any uncomfortability at all, man, I can so quickly run to food instead of running to Jesus. I mean, so quickly. And maybe it's, you know, just snacking too much. Maybe it's overeating, gorging. Anything that I can do to run to food instead of Jesus. You eat terribly unhealthy foods because it tastes good. But, but all of those things are because it's an escape for me. It's something that I can control and some sort of immediate understanding and, and satisfaction, Right? So one of my prayers has got to be for God to renew my view of what his provision in my daily bread should accomplish in me, which is glorifying him in all that I do with all of my life. Because that's not what happens when I'm escaping to food, right? Like that, that's not what happens. What's happening then is I'm taking something that is from God that is a good and right gift that's from him and is meant to remind me of him and remind me of his worship uh, or, or of his holiness that I might worship him. Instead, I'm taking that thing and I'm making it about me. And in so doing, I'm robbing him of the glory and honor and worship and praise that he deserves. Which is exactly what the Israelites do, Right? is exactly what they were guilty of. They didn't trust that God is who he says that he is, and they needed that physical reminder. They didn't trust and remember that he is who he says he is. His ways are higher, and so they ran to what they knew or what they thought they could control or what they could tangibly grasp. And how is that not idol worship? How is me not feasting on Christ and feasting on his word not the same thing? 
You see how that can get so skewed so easily? The enemy schemes, they're wily, man. So if our daily bread is meant to point us to the greater bread of life, then there's a few ways that we have got to either learn how to do or a few ways that we've got to grow in teaching ourselves and, and feeding ourselves daily. So again, in the same way that that reminder was nothing new for the Israelites, this is nothing new. There's nothing new that I am going to say, but they are hopefully ways that we can grow in our daily reminder of his daily provision. So here are the ways. One is to pray. Family, God wants to talk to you. He wants to talk with us, and he wants to talk with you. When, when Jesus was crucified, the, the veil, the curtain that hung in the temple that separated man from the holiness and the presence of God was ripped from top to bottom. It wasn't bottom to top. It wasn't us being able to rip that to get to him. It was ripped for God, from top to bottom. God advancing and moving towards his people, initiating towards his people because he longs to dwell with his people. And so because of that, the curtain is removed, and we no longer need a Moses, we no longer need a priest, we no longer need anything to mediate for us other than Jesus. We don't need Jake to pray for us or on behalf of us, although we have those blessings that we are able to do that, but God hears you when you pray. No matter how big, no matter how small, he hears and he responds. He wants to talk with you because we have Jesus, the great high priest, the only mediator between God and man. So brother and sister, pray to him. And prayer is one way that we can continue to grow or to even learn to feed ourselves daily. Another is, is to read the Bible. Listen, I'm telling you, there's nothing new here. I'm not, I'm not original. I'm just, this is what we have. Because listen, if Jesus is the bread of life, the living, breathing word of God, then we've got to feast on him. We've got to feast on him. We've got to be in the word daily, whether it's a two-hour, uninterrupted, quiet time where the heavens are opening up and we're worshiping, seeing into the throne room of God, or whether it's, I do not have time for anything today. I'm going to take this one verse and I'm just going to chew on it all day long. I'm just going to meditate on the word of God. As I'm doing my work, as I'm talking with people, as I'm eating lunch, this one verse, and see what the Lord may have for us. We've got to go to him and feast on the bountiful riches of Christ. There's newness in Christ. There's new mercies. There's new provision for us daily. We just sang morning by morning new mercies, I see. And if yesterday's manna has a wormy stink to it, then we can't very well rely on it for today, can we? No. And also, with these things, don't give in to the, the Pharisaic spirit of legalism. That's a demonic lie that is going to try to rob us of our affections for Christ. Don't feel condemnation. We all need to grow in prayer and reading our Bibles. There is no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. Don't let shame keep you from prayer or reading your Bible. Because listen, if you feel like a prodigal son, be the prodigal son in return. Go to the Lord and he will run to you. The father will run and embrace you. 
And he's not running towards you in disappointment because he's been working on what he's going to say to you if you ever show your face here again. He's not running to you to go, well, 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 look who's finally come crawling back. No. He, he runs to you, and there is great rejoicing over you. Great rejoicing. So humbly and boldly go to him through prayer and reading his word. And then lastly, the spiritual discipline of fasting. And I think this is such an important one for us. And I know Jake talked about this a few weeks ago, and I think this is another good call for us. But willingly fasting from daily bread gives, uh, gives your body physical signs that your body needs nourishment. And as we've seen, your physical needs are meant to point you to your soul's needs. And so fasting, it, it needs to be a priority in our lives. We need to block out time to do that, to fast from food. We can fast from other things, but to fast from food and spend the time getting after the Lord in prayer. I think, again, this is particularly important for us where we rarely go without. And so we fast as a reminder of our needs, and it helps us undo much of our kind of sinful thought processes uh, about provision and it also helps us to gr more greatly understand how loving and kind and generous and gracious and caring and compassionate that our God is. So those are a few ways that we can learn to, uh, learn to grow and or, learn to and, or, and or grow in feeding ourselves daily. We're going to send out in the weekly email this week, we're going to send out some great resources around those three. And, and hopefully those will assist us. Because church, the... The food is there. It's, it's there and it is readily available. It's been provided to us. We've just got to eat it. It's our lives honoring and displaying the glory of God starts with our daily bread. Jesus said, if you're hungry, I am the bread of life. He said, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And then later he'll say, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give them rest. Come without money. Come and buy what you can't afford. Come and eat the bread that will last forever. He says, come to me. Church, this is your God. This is what he has done for you. It's what he has done for me, what he has done for us is that what we could not afford, what we could not buy, relationship and right standing with the Father, what we could not afford, Christ paid for. So I, I want us to end with um, a, a corporate prayer together. And this is a responsive reading that I hope will help us to grow in kind of our understanding of, of why we ask for our daily bread and why we consume our daily bread. And so we'll pray this prayer together. I'm, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll read the part of uh, the leader. Uh, we're gonna put it up on the screen here. I'll read the part of the leader, and, um, and then we'll all read the part of all. Uh, and we'll pray this together, and then we'll move into a time of communion. Our Father in heaven, so that your name may be hallowed in our lives. Give us this day our daily bread. So that your kingdom may come in our lives. Give us this day.
day our daily bread so that we may learn to be satisfied in you. Give us this day our daily bread so that we may know that you are the Lord, our God. Give us this day our daily bread so that you might revive this city, this nation, this world. Give us this day our daily bread so that you may be exalted among the nations. Give us this day daily bread. Through Christ we pray. Amen. I did that backwards, but I think God still heard us. Let's pray together, church. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for all that you have done for us in giving us your son. Jesus, we thank you that you are our provision. You are provision in our daily bread and you are provision in our greatest need. And so we pray that you would be honored and exalted and honored, glorified in our lives, Lord. Spirit, now as we continue to worship you and as we get to have the reminder that you have given through communion, we pray, Spirit, that you would move in our hearts, that you would mold and shape us, and that you would remind us of your provision for us, God, and that we may know that you are the Lord, our God. Spirit, would you help us? It's through Christ that we pray. Amen.